0: continue with uh, messages on prayer and I really hope that uh, the Lord will minister to your heart and really encourage you to spend time praying Uh, I really feel like believers don't pray enough possibly because we don't understand the power that's behind prayer we need to pray prayer changes things and that's not just words prayer will change things. Prayer will change your life. Prayer will change my life. Paul even asked for prayer for himself asking the saints to pray for him. So prayer really is a part of our Christian living and so I really enjoy talking about prayer I don't see it as a religious thing for me. It's just something to do. I enjoy it. I love to be in God's house and it's really effective. When I really have that heart to pray and I come in here, especially by myself, Or at home, and I'm asking God for something, He gives the answer so quickly. And that gives you so much confidence in life. You don't have to look at circumstances, you don't have to look at anything. You know there is a God. I am fully convinced that there is a God. And I believe in Him. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, no matter what's happening in my life, regardless of the circumstances around me, as long as I can spend that time with my Father, talking to him in the name of his Son, and he's giving us the promise in his word that he will hear when we call. He already knows the need, he will answer from heaven. Jesus gave us that, and so we should use that Take advantage of it and let God be God in your life. Amen. So it's so important. Tonight I'll be talking about building an altar of fervent prayer in your life. Build an altar of prayer. Build an altar of fervent prayer in your life. I will focus on the word fervent tonight. And then I will go into uh, an example from the Old Testament, how to really set yourself up uh, for prayer so that God will answer that prayer. He's already promised us uh, that he will answer from heaven. Father, we ask that the Spirit of God will take full control tonight, touch our hearts, Spirit of the living God, speak tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. One thing that you know if you are a covenant person, once once you start reading from the book of Genesis, especially after God called Abraham, you immediately see the first thing that they did after he stepped out from his home to go with God, he built an altar. He built an altar. Once you are called by the Lord to follow him, you know you are going to build an altar. All of the covenant people, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they built altars. Everywhere they went, they built altars. They are covenant people. Covenant people ought to have an altar to go to where you call upon the name of the Lord. I like to read in Genesis chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. It says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your descendants I will give this land and there he built an altar to the Lord now Abraham had just moved he went to a particular place and God spoke to him he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him that God who spoke to him verse 8 says and he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east There, again, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abraham built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. You have to have a place that you refer to in your heart. Don't have to be the church. Don't have to be the closet. (laughs) You just have a place where you call upon God. I mean, it can be in your car but you have to have an altar as a believer, as a child of God a place where you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ there is power to fervent prayer, God promised that apart from answering our prayers God has promised to answer our prayers but there is power in fervent prayer, there's a glowingly heart prayer. That's a prayer that's coming from your heart. Many, you know, many times we can't even recognize that God has answered our prayers because it wasn't coming from our heart. You're not passionate about it. You can do without it if God doesn't answer it. That's the point. So you don't even recognize it, whether God answers or not, it doesn't matter to you. All we're doing is praying. That doesn't change a lot. It's the fervency in prayer. Prayer, a passionate prayer. Red heart prayer coming from your heart to God. The Bible says there is a promise to that. That will bring a lot of help. In your life and whoever you're praying for passionately. So fervent prayer is so important. We need to add that to our prayer life. I like it when things are come in on me and it's a lot of pressure I know I had to get a hold of God it's not fun it's really painful but you pray from the heart you know let me say this I, I think in English that's just the truth. I can't speak my language, but my native language very well. I think in English, everything I do in English, but I do in English. But in, in, in my country, the area where I grew up, we have a language that we, we speak, you know, more than in English, and I'm good at that. It's called pidgin English or broken English. When I'm really desperate, you know, when I'm not desperate, I'm speaking in English to the Lord. But there was a day I was really desperate. I went into broken English. I went into pidgin English. I mean, God, he answered answer me. <laughs> the English language was not good enough this time. <laughs> and <it's> quit it. <laughs> because it's coming from your heart. You're passionate. you understand what I'm saying? Fervent. You don't care how it sounds. It's coming from your heart. And God does answer. In James chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, it says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And now what you hear for the most part is, Confess your faults to one another so that you may be healed. That's not what the scripture says. Just confessing your sin to the other person or confessing to a priest or whoever, just confessing your sin is not good enough. It said, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Prayer is a part of it. You can't let go of prayer just to confess your sins. That's why it doesn't work. You can't just confess your sin without praying with your brother for your healing, for your deliverance. So Christians go and they confess and, and you just say a little prayer and it's, it's, it's okay, you have confessed. It's no, there's got to be a fervent prayer prayed at the time of confession in addition to the confession that brings deliverance. Because you can see that in what he said immediately after that, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So just confessing is not enough. You have to add a fervent prayer to it to bring the deliverance. There is much help when people pray fervently. Notice the word that he uses, the effective. So there is your prayer, God classified your prayer effective. And he's not asking for your opinion. And you are a righteous person. If you believe in the Lord, I don't believe in what I have done, the good things I've done. Recently, I'm just sitting on Jesus' righteousness. I tell him all the time, thank you for your righteousness that I have. Oh, it's better better than anything else. It's not what I've done. I wasn't born a Christian. There's nothing. On Sunday, uh, the message will be titled, uh, the wrong question. The wrong question. It is nothing that you can do to satisfy God in a righteous way. It is nothing you can do on your own. We received His righteousness. And if you have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you have His righteousness. There is nothing better than that. And so all you need is to combine your fervent prayer to the righteousness that you have, and He will give much help to whoever to your life, and to whoever you're praying for. I need to really emphasize that God does answer our prayer, regardless of what's going on in your life. You don't have to be afraid. You can't have control over it. You're just human. You just got here. The earth has been here, and God has been. Thank God you have Him on your side. Amen. And all you have to do is talk to him. And Jesus was very clear. He said, Ask, it shall be given you. Seek, you will find. Knock the door will be open to you. Not maybe the door will be open. Everyone who asks receives. I have to constantly remind myself of that word that Jesus cannot lie. So I can ask. The burden is on me to ask the Lord. If I ask, Jesus has promised me he cannot lie. And he said the scriptures cannot be broken. We are not asking enough. We are not praying fervently enough. Any situation can be changed if we pray. Now the test is, the way God works is because faith is applied to your fervent prayer, it may not happen immediately. Okay? Because your faith has to be tested. But if you pray fervently, that prayer will be answered. So I can determine my future through my prayer by talking to him. The effective, the word effective means producing result. Your prayer will produce result. It says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man, that effective... Fervent prayer. The prayer is classified as effective. Producing result. You are already a righteous person. Will bring much help to a situation. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effective. The word again means force. Effective. In force. Productive producing results and if you read further favorable results effective fervent prayer of a righteous man then he went on and said Elijah was a man with a nature like ours so if you think well who am I well Elijah wasn't God just another man just like you And he prayed earnestly, fervently, that it would not rain. Can you imagine this guy made up his mind, I'm going to stop rain from coming on the earth. And I'm going to do it through prayer. And he did it fervently, earnestly to God. I'm going to stop rain. I'm not sure if he knew exactly how long it would take. He just wanted God to punish the nation because they were sinning against him by holding back rain. And he did. God listened to his prophet. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. For three and a half years. This one guy was holding back rain. God did it, but nobody can find God. It was this guy. It was this guy that was holding back rain. And you know what will happen in those three years? No rain, no harvest. This guy was holding back their harvest through prayer. And the Bible is telling us, encouraging us in the New Testament, saying, hey, don't forget, you can do the same thing. He was just a man just like you that's what he's saying it's an amazing thing when you really cry out to God we've had crusades in Africa in, during the raining season and you know the, you look up uh, I believe one of those crusades I was with Daniel Bernard my friend in Florida you look up and you know it's going to rain and we say no no we have a crusade there are people here to hear the gospel you can't rain until we're through I had a situation, as soon as we got through preaching, the rain came down. We said, thank God we're through with preaching. But it's encouraging you as a believer that you know your prayers are effective. You can do the same thing. What is it in your life that you need from God? Is that bigger than holding back rain for three and a half years? This guy who is just a natural man, just like you, he was able to do it. And the Bible is saying, God wants you to have the same thing in your life. You can do exactly the same. And he says, he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain. And the earth produces fruit. The thing is, if the New Testament is talking about Elijah, I want to know what this guy did. You okay? Would you? You want to know what he did? To touch God, to bring down rain. I got a long passage here, but I'm not sure if I want to read all of it. Okay, I got time. <laughs> in first kings chapter 18 dealing with elijah verse 30 through 39 it says, then elijah said to all the people come near to me so all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the lord that was broken down and elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two shares of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time and he did it a second time and he said do it a third time and he did it a third time so the water ran all around the altar and he also filled the trench with water and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said Lord God of Abraham Isaac and Israel let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that these people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I read that whole passage. When you look at the verse, verse 1, Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. And they came. You know the way I see that today? Right way back there in the Old Testament. Elijah is saying to us, Come near. So let me show you how to do this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me show you how to get answer from God. Come near. Come near to me. Now one thing that happens is, when people begin to turn away from the Lord or when things begin to contest for their devotion with regards to their devotion to God when other things begin to contest with your devotion to God guess what goes out first the altar the altar is broken see at this time, the children of Israel, they, they were dancing between two opinions. They knew about the God of heaven. They knew to worship the God of heaven. But they had to deal with Jezebel and Ahab. And if you want to be called politically correct, you stay on Ahab's side and Jezebel so they were worship- some of them were worshipping God at the same time they were worshipping Baal and the altar of God is neglected thrown down they were dancing between two opinions some of them were fully worshipping Baal they are forgotten they satisfied the king and to bring them back Elijah set up this contest, and it's a silly contest. I'll tell you why. You know, God allowed this contest. Elijah said, I want you, God, to send down fire so that the people would know that everything that I'm doing right here, I did it because you told me to do this. How will God have a contest with a God that doesn't exist? He is God. But there's nothing God will not do just to get you back to himself. He brought himself so low to have a contest with a God that doesn't exist. Just to get his people back to himself. Follow what I'm saying? That's how far God will go. Just to get his people back. And if the altar of prayer in your life is broken. God, behind the scene, he's doing everything. To get you back. There's a song that says, I miss my time with you. And God was, from God's viewpoint. You used to come, but I don't see you anymore. And so God allowed this. And he told Elijah, get this contest going. I mean, that God is no God, but I'll allow this just to get the people, and he said, Come close. I want you I don't want you to miss anything. But notice the first thing that he did was to repair the altar. To repair the altar. So he got twelve stones to repair the altar. The altar is a covenant place for the restoration of all things. Your altar of prayer is your covenant place for the restoration of all things into your life. Whatever the enemy is stolen from you, if it's going to come back from to you, it With regards to your spiritual life. If it's got to come back to you. If you were hot, but you're no longer as hot, The word of God doesn't touch you as it used to. If, If If you will have to get back where you were. You will have to rebuild your altar. Amen. The altar is the first thing that goes. When your devotion to God is being contested. Just like the children of Israel. They were dancing between serve God, serve Baal. And they forgot God's altar. The altar of prayer is so important. It tells us that. Notice what they did first. It's so important. And I'll say this tonight. He took stones, 12 stones, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And he built the altar from those stones. He tells us here, and Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes, that's verse 31. Tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word, the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. You are going to be the prince. Uh, What does this stone represent? Those stones represent what it says to whom the word of the Lord came. The stones represent the word of God. See, many Christians, when they are dealing with issues, they're just throwing out prayers. Just asking. No word. The first thing that a believer should do when you are going through a crisis, go to the book. Build your altar first. Find those scriptures. Amen. Find those 12 covenant stones. Amen. And put them together. Find the stones from the scripture. You're sick, you need to get stones for your healing. To build your altar of prayer for your healing to come to you. You just don't go to, hell, run to and fro. You can get healed, but before you know, you move and it's back again because your, your, your altar is not there. Amen. Those stones represent the word of God. The word of God came to them. These were covenant people. Twelve sons of Jacob. Covenant people. You had to build the altar of your fervent prayer from those stones. Put them in place. When you got all in place, the fire is coming from heaven. Amen. Matthew chapter 21, verse 42 Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus is referring to himself the stone, right? The chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone. And if you read further, verse 44 tells us, And whoever falls on this stone will be broken. When you put that animal on the altar, it had to be cut in pieces. Amen. For the sacrifice to be accepted. Whoever falls on this stone, if you are relying on that stone, you will be broken. So that the fire can fall upon your life. And then you can fly like the eagles. He says, whoever falls on this stone will be broken. But on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And then when you are praying with the word of God, that's casting stones against your opposition. Amen? And that's the word of God. When the word of God falls on any opposition, it grinds it to powder. So we need to have our stones, that's the word of God, together. I've read about so many people. Osteen, you Osteen, know, you know who I'm talking about. When she had cancer all kinds of people have come. You know, he, uh, John Osteen was pretty popular. He was T.L. Osborne's uh, pastor. So the wife sick, all the great ones were coming to pray for her. Nothing happened. Much. And Dodie said she went straight and got all the healing scriptures. <laughs> she got her stones together. Amen? And she placed them in order. And said, I'm a child of God. I cannot die of cancer. Amen. Guess what? She is still with uh, Joel today. <laughs> so we need to get our stones together. The altar needs to be built, our altar of prayer. Amen. That's what you throw at the enemy. Amen. You remember David? When he had to fight Goliath. If there is a Goliath in your life. Go to the brook. And find your five smooth stones. The Bible tells, tells us that Goliath threatened the children of Israel. They were running from Goliath. But David was ready to fight. David did. His Bible says he went to the brook. When he was getting ready to fight Goliath. He went to the brook and got himself five smooth stones you go to the scriptures this is our brook amen find you five smooth stones after he got those stones the bible says he put the stones in his bag you know what that represents your heart Put your smooth stones in your heart. Build that altar of prayer right there. And then go after your Goliath. And bring him down. Amen. Amen. You can find that in 1st Samuel chapter 17. You can read the whole chapter. The wood represents the word as well. What I'm doing tonight is this. You need to understand the place of God's word in your prayer life. So important. The word of God. The place of the word. Even before you pray, get those scriptures. It's easy if you've read the scriptures, you spend a lot of time, you know, with the scriptures... As you're praying, those scriptures, the Holy Spirit will be taking from everything that you've stored in your heart, your bag, and be pulling them out for you as you pray. And you're telling God it cannot be so, because this is what the covenant says. Proverbs chapter 26 verse 20 says, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. Amen? (laughs) Amen? If there is no word there, there is no fire coming down. The water itself also represent, represents the word of God. Ephesians 5 verse 26 tells us that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So again, it's still the Word of God. And you can go to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. All the armor, put on the old armor of God. Well, it's all scriptures. The day I say you come into church with some Roman helmet, which is, uh, man, kick that guy. not <laughs> kill <I'm> not kidding. <laughs> it's all the Word. All the Word. The place of the Word of God in prayer. And the fire that comes. Same as the word. Jeremiah 23 verse 29. is not my word. Like fire. God's word is like fire. Says the Lord. And like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. No matter what's going on. If you got the word in your heart. You got the smooth stones. You spend that time of prayer before God. It will give way. The Goliath will come down. Amen. Please stand up with me. I will round up quickly. I encourage every one of us to spend time praying. You see, many times we see situations and what we do is we talk about it. You see a problem, you're talking about it. And you're praying about it more than you're talking about it. Calling your brother and say, what do you think is happening? How come this is not happening? You you don't need to go there. If it burdens your heart, God may be calling you to build an altar. Improve out the situation. And expect an answer. Instead of talking about it. You pray. If there is a Goliath in your life. That you need to come down. Then look for the scriptures. If it's want. The Bible says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That settles it. I don't have to worry about my tomorrow. I am glad to have Jesus as my shepherd. I'll stay there. I'll do everything to make sure he continues to be my shepherd. And as long as that relationship is right, there is no way in this world I cannot want. I don't have to depend on anybody. Yet I am very aware that he's going to use people and circumstances. But I'm looking to him. So you spend that time in prayer. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek. You'll find Knock The door will be opened Door for healing It will be opened Amen For your family Your children It will be opened All you have to do is ask We make things too complicated We just ask Amen Is there something that you need From the Lord tonight Whatever if I tell you By the word of the Lord God will grant it tonight Would you believe me I know you will. What is that thing that you want God to do for you? And if he does it, you he will make you glad. Ask that you might receive, that your joy might be full. What is that thing? Would you ask the Lord tonight? Lift up your hand today, whatever that is that your heart desires and you need God to do that for you. Believe with me today. Let's come together in faith trusting God that he is alive. Jesus is risen. He's seated at the Father's right hand. No matter how difficult this problem is, even if it's as big as Goliath, that Goliath is coming down tonight in the name of Jesus because the Lord is on your side and he's giving you the victory. You don't have to be afraid because God is with you. No one can be against you and God is going to grant you the desires of your heart according to his word. Father, I want to thank you. I want to give you praise. I know that your word cannot be broken. Your word will not return to you void. We trust in your word and we've asked according to your word. According to your will, oh God. And we believe we have received. And we thank you for your love for us. And thank you, Lord, for meeting every need tonight. As your people have spoken to you from your heart, they know what they want from you. You are our heavenly father and you are able to give us much more than we can ask or even imagine. And we thank you, Lord God, tonight in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you.